God is good. And all the time. Let us pray. Lord, we come to celebrate your goodness today, to praise your goodness for your blessings. Lord, recognizing that in our life, in our heart, in our community, in our homes, in our work, in our schools, there's frustrations and there's complications. So, Lord, we come in this moment of worship uh, to surrender that to you, to lay that aside to you, to focus on you. So focus our hearts, speak to them clearly, set me aside. In your name we pray. Well, it happened this week, the first Christmas lights appeared in our neighborhood. And that same day, as I was listening to the radio, they said, our Christmas channel, our only music for Christmas channel has begun to start too. And the next day on coming to work at Ridgeway and Poplar on the northeast corner appeared that Merry Christmas sign. I wonder if Hallmark's begun their Christmas movies too already. So they have, so then I'm going to go ahead and use a Christmas illustration this morning since we're ready for it, maybe. I'm sure you remember the classic movie, It's a Wonderful Life. At the end of the movie, as George Bailey's standing on the bridge, he decides that he wants to live again, and he begins to run and run through town, and he wishes Merry Christmas to the movie house and the building and loan and even to Mr. Potter. And then he runs home, looking for Mary. She's not home yet, so he starts up the steps, grabs that wooden knob, kisses it as he goes up the steps, gets to the top, greets his children, Zuzu gives her petals, kisses the petals too, and then Mary arrives. And he embraces Mary. And we see all the people who have come over to the house to share their love and their money with George in this time of need. It seems that Mary had put out a call, a call to the friends and family, to the faithful who had all that whom George had blessed, that in this time of need, they've responded to the call, they've shown up, and it's a celebration. And George begins to recognize the joy and the praise that is shared from those who've arrived. Two weeks ago, we talked about resting in God. Not just taking time to spend with God, but taking time for God to spend time with us. So this week we go from finding rest to God to a call to praise God, and I believe that it's only out of that rest in which we can offer a fulfilling praise. So join me in this psalm of praise. It's Psalm 148 as we look together at this time of praise. Psalm 148, join me in the Bibles you've brought, the few Bibles before you, or your devices. Online, hope you'll join us too in today's scripture this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. He established them forever and ever, and he fixed their bounds, which cannot be passed. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters and all deeps, 
fire and hail, snow and frost, stormy wind and fulfilling his command, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princesses and all rulers of the earth, young men and women alike, old and young together. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his faithful, for the people of Israel who are close to him. Praise the Lord. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. a large collection of poems, 150 actually. They're arranged to tell us a story of a coming king, of how God rescues the psalmist who many attribute to be David, how Israel falls and how Israel renews its trust. It seems these last five psalms though are a conclusion and each one of them is a psalm of praise. Look at Psalm 148. What are the first three words in Psalm 148? Praise the Lord. What's another word for praise the Lord that we sometimes say when we shout those praises? Hallelujah. Glory. The Hebrew word for hallelujah, this praise the Lord, is translated praise Yah. It's a Hebrew word, and catch this, it's not something we say to God, but it's something we say to others, offering them, inviting them to praise God. Psalm 148, in other words, encourages worship of the living and true God. It's a call to worship. A common order of a religious worship service is to have a call to worship. At the beginning of the service, and there's many different ways that that does, it sets the tone for it, it introduces the theme, it centers us. Without that, nothing seems to fit or flow well together. When we do a sermon series, specifically we have this transitional moment that Kevin often does. That's the way of introducing the theme for the day and letting us know what will be taking place. So today's scripture is not just a call to worship. It's a call to praise. It's a call for all creation to praise God, an invitation for each of us. This term praise appears 13 times in the 14 verses of Psalm 148. The psalmist is summoning heaven and earth to praise the Lord and then follows that up by some reasons to praise. There's two sections as you look at the scripture. The first six verses focus more on praise from heaven and then verses 7 through 14 talk more about praise from earth. So let's look at them a little closer this morning. 
We've learned that our first purpose in life is to glorify God. And one main way we do that is to worship God. Here in this first stanza, we see that this doesn't just apply to us as human beings, but the purpose of all created things above earth is to praise God. The psalmist starts simply by saying, praise the Lord. And it seems that it's those three, excuse me, those three words that sum the whole psalm up for us. But it's not content to just stop there. In verse 1, God is to be praised from the heavens by beings and objects, as well as heaven itself. And in verse 4, God's essential character represents God's very self. The purpose of God, the very character of God are revealed in what God has done as creator. Such is the focus for praise. And then as we look at the next section, section 7 through 14, or excuse me, through 13, Praise comes from the earth by beings, objects, elements, inanimate and animate, culminating with the focus on humanity in verses 11 and 12. All this is pointing to the fact that God is the one in control. God is the one in charge of the cosmos. God is sovereign. Nothing controls God. And because of this, God's praise is incomplete without the participation of every voice, human and inhuman, in heaven and on earth and in all of creation. Remember the covenant that God made with Noah back in Genesis 9? It was with every living creature, and it's almost like the psalmist is carrying that out. But then verse 14 kind of goes in a little different direction for the reasons of praise. God fulfills his purpose through a particular people, a praise for all his faithful, a reinstatement of God's people from exile, of reoccupation of Jerusalem. And what's raised up in verse 14? What do you see that's raised up? It's a horn, a sign of protection and strength. It's the image of a bull that after the bull's been in a fight and it lifts its horns up, after winning the battle. The horn's a common symbol of victory. But whose horn is it? Whose horn is it, does verse 14 tell us? It's the people of Israel. There's victory. All creation will be rescued by the king. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. You know Francis of Assisi? In his canticle of the sun, he shouts praises of God. And thanks him for such creations as Brother Fire and Sister Water. And we sung part of that in the beginning. It's an affirmation of Francis' personal theology. As he often referred to brothers, as animals as brothers and sisters to humankind. And he rejected material accumulation. Human beings exercise their God-given power in the same way that God exercises his power as a servant. There's nothing that reminds us more of that than Jesus and the birth of Jesus. I know we hear that story at Christmas, but I think it's worth us hearing it again today. And it's Luke 2, and it's just two verses, or three verses, two verses out of Luke 2 that I want to share with you this morning. Verses 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, 
glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those on whom his favor rests. Jesus' birth represents the enthronement of God and brings all sorts of praise. One way we do that is through singing and through the songs. Another song of joy to the world that we know that we sing at Christmas comes from one of the psalms, Psalm 98. Here two of those verses. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Yesterday, when I was listening to the radio, the Sirius XM, the message, which is the Christian radio station, came on. The uh, radio personality was talking about a post that she had made of putting up her Christmas tree and how many people were complaining and getting on to her for doing that so early. She tried to explain herself that it wasn't about the decoration. It was about the praise of Jesus. It was about her excitement and offering and celebrating who Jesus was and is. And it's worthy of doing that all the time, not just at Christmas. We should be about praising God and praising His Son Jesus all year and not just making a big deal of it in December. We praise God on Sunday at worship. But what about starting and ending each day with Him? What about turning our complaints into compliments? What about going outside and looking up rather than staying inside and looking at? What about taking the scripture we read and applied it during the week? All to the praise of God. Another popular movie, not a Christmas one, is A Sound of Music. Remember Maria singing my favorite things to the children during the thunderstorm? I promise I won't sing it. But I will share with the words with you. Originally, it was written to be sung by a young woman facing new responsibilities outside the convent. Hear the words. Raindrops on roses with whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Cream-colored ponies and crisp apple strudels. Doorbells and sleigh bells and schnitzels with noodles. While geese that fly with the moon on their wings, these are a few. Girls in white dresses with blue satin sashes, snowflakes that stay on my nose and eyelashes, silver white winters that melt into springs, these are a few of my. When the dog bites, when the bee stings, when I'm feeling sad, I simply remember my favorite things, and then I don't feel so bad. Sometimes we think life with God is good, and it is good, and it should be good, and we recognize it. But just because it's good does not mean we won't have bad days. We won't be sad. Sometimes if we can just remember our favorite things and turn our focus to praising God, He will lift us out, He will transform our minds, and He'll walk with us. That's our call to worship today. That's our invitation. That's the invitation that we need to share with others. Praise the Lord.
Hallelujah. Praise Yah.